So as you might be able to guess, our VBS theme this year is Make Waves. Um, but before uh, we, we talk about that this morning, um, and uh, um, um, before we get into the sermon this morning, uh, Kathy just let me know, Dr. Evans, um, many of you know Dr. Evans, just texted her. Um, Jeanette has had a pulmonary embolism. Um, they are taking her off the ventilator, and they are not expecting her to survive. Many of you know, of course, Dr. and Jeanette Evans very well. So we're going to stop here for a second, and we're going to pray for Jeanette and for Dr. Evans. So will you join me? Dear gracious God, <laughs> there are things that happen, and when they happen, we just have to sit here and cry out to you and just find rest and peace in you. And so, God, this morning, as we're gathered here and as we're worshiping you and as we're finding joy in who you are and in what you have done for us, our dear friends are in a place of darkness. And so, God, I just pray that you would be with the Evans family right now, that you would be with Dr. Evans, that you would be with Jeanette. God, if it is your will and your sovereignty, we pray that they take her off this ventilator and she recovers. And if it is not, if it is your will to bring her home to you, God, may we find your, your glory in that. May we find your peace in that. God, be with that family right now as they walk this path together. Help them know that we are with them and that you are with them. God, we love you and we trust you. We turn this over to you. Amen. <clears throat> we are looking at our theme uh, for VBS this, uh, today. Um, I wanted us to think about it as a congregation. I wanted us to be prepared, if you got kids, to be able to talk with them about what we're going to be talking about this week at Vacation Bible School. Um, it's also, you know, important for us to think about these things, too. And so we're going to be spending some time together. The, the theme verse uh, this year is actually John 7, verse 38. But we're actually going to look at both, 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 excuse me, we are going to look at both verse 37 and 38. So we are in John chapter 7, starting with the 37th verse. Will you stand with me as we read God's word together? On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. This is the word of God. Read it, believe it, and live it. Let's pray. Dear God, as we open your word, as we turn to it this morning to study, God, I pray that the truths that are found in it would become crystal clear to us, that we would see the, the truth of your word, that we would understand it, that we would see how it applies to our lives. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
would be acceptable and pleasing to you, our God and our King. Amen. You may be seated. If you know me, you know I always think that one of the most important things that we can do when we open God's Word and when we read a passage is to ask the question, what's going on here? And, and what is going on here? We, 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 we've seemed to have picked up the story in the middle of the story. Because right there in verse 37, it says, on the last and most important day of the festival. What festival? What's going on? So if we back up a little bit, we'll see that, that Jesus is in Jerusalem because it is the festival of the booths. B-O-O-T-H-E-S. Booths. Booths. It's a hard word to, to say when you're in front of a bunch of people. Um, sometimes it's also called Sukkot. It's one of the festivals of the, the calendar for God's people. And it's, it normally happens, um, give or take, in, in about middle to late October. It's, it's the harvest festival. The, the booths come from the fact that they would go out into the fields to harvest and they would build temporary shelters for themselves. It's, it's, a, it's a feast of thanksgiving. It's a feast of, of thanking God for what He has done, for what He has provided for them. It is Farmer's Festival. I don't know if they had a parade and tractors. Well, I know they didn't have tractors. There actually was a bit of a parade. The priest would go to the Pool of Siloam and take up water and carry it to the temple. And so we're told that this is the the last and greatest day of this festival. And on the last and greatest day, the priest doesn't do that just once. He does it seven times bringing this, this offering of water to the temple. Now, it, it's important for us to remember that we are talking about a desert people. Water is precious. For us, over the last several years, we've had more water than we can stand, right? Even this, this summer, it seems to have been a, a back and forth. We'll have weeks where it's dry and then we'll get inundated Someone was showing me just this week some pictures of their yard that in just one of our afternoon thunderstorms, their yard had become a bit of a pond. But Israel is desert. It's dry. Water is precious, even more precious than it might be for us. So this, this offering of water, this idea and image of water is important. And so Jesus is at this festival. And what we see here is that on this last and most important day, we can, can, can think probably that it's as the priest is, is coming up from the pool of Siloam. He, Jesus is there and Jesus, it tells us, he, it says he stands up. And cries out. Now, we get kind of uncomfortable when we're in a gathering and someone stands up and cries out, right? If we were gathered here for worship today, 
and suddenly Fawny stood up and cried out, we would be very sympathetic to Amanda as she bundled him up and took him home. We're not used to it. One of, the, one of the commentaries that I read this week said that it would have been the same for them, that when Jesus, in the middle of this, of this religious ceremony, stands up and cries out, it would have been like a thunderclap going amongst the assembly. You know, we think of Jesus, and we think of Jesus teaching in the temple and, and teaching on the hillside and all that sort of stuff, and, and we don't think about it, but, but sometimes Jesus does these things that are, that are pretty in your face. They're pretty, pretty radical in the, in the truest sense of that word. Jesus stands up, and, and, and he cries out. This isn't just... Jesus standing up saying, well, old chum, I'm not entirely sure that you were doing this the right way. No, he's crying out. it's, It's coming from deep within him. And in this, Jesus is is doing something. He's he's showing them just as he's showing us as we read God's word and we look back on it. Jesus is showing them that this thing, this thing that they've been doing for 1,500 years, going to the pool of Siloam and pulling this water up and taking it to the temple, that this is about him. It's about him. That this the ceremony, this practice that they have to, to remember the importance of water, to center the importance of water, to give thanks to God for this water, that it's about Jesus. You know, Jesus has already talked about living water right here in John. If we went back to John 4, we would find ourselves at the story of the woman at the well. You know this story, right? Jesus and his the disciples are heading from Judea back to Galilee, and, and uh, instead of going the long way around, he does this, this crazy thing, and he cuts through the bad part of town. He goes to the other side of the tracks, and he goes through Samaria. And there in Samaria, he, he meets this woman at this well in the middle of the day, and they have this exchange Pick it up there in in chapter 4, verse 10. Jesus answered this woman, If you knew the gift of God and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You don't even have a bucket. And the well is deep. So where are you going to get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob. They're at Jacob's well. You aren't far greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never get thirsty. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal 
So Jesus has already talked about living water. So here in chapter 7, when we see this, this isn't the first time that Jesus has, has talked about living water. And if we go back through Scripture, we'll see over and over again this, this importance of water and the importance of living water. We go to Exodus chapter 17. What happens there? The people need water, and Moses does this thing that he's not really supposed to do, but he takes his staff and he hits the rock, and a spring comes forth from the rock, and the people have water. The people wandering in the desert, thirsty, had water. In Isaiah chapter 12, we have Isaiah telling us to joyfully drawing the water from the springs of salvation. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 47, we have this, this beautiful image, this beautiful image from Ezekiel of, of of the river coming down and flowing into the sea and that with it, it brings life. So I was reading it this week. I was blown away. If you know anything about hydrology and how stuff works, right? That those areas where fresh water and salt water come together are, are estuaries. They're a special kind of, of ecosystem and they are some of the most biodiverse ecosystems in the world. We know that now. And Ezekiel knew that when he was telling the people that God was going to be like a river coming down out of the mountains, flowing out into the salt water, and that life would come from it. In Zechariah, we see this image of living water flowing from Jerusalem. An image that's going to be picked up again in the last chapters of Revelation as John talks about the river of living water flowing from Jerusalem out to all the world. This image of water and water being of life and living water and water giving life and salvation, it's found through all of Scripture. And so in the middle of Sukkot, in the middle of the festival of booths, Jesus stands up and he cries out and he says, it's about me, y'all. If there was a, if there was a south, it would have been Galilee, even though it was the north. So Jesus definitely said y'all, just for the record. He stands up and he says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. So these people who have all of these memories from Scripture, of Moses and the rock, of Isaiah talking about the water bringing springs of salvation, of Ezekiel, the water bringing life, of Zechariah, of living waters flowing from Jerusalem. All of this is in their head. These are people of God. These are observant, religious Jews. And, they, and Jesus stands up and He says, Come to Me, and I will give you this living water. If you're thirsty, come and drink. The one who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, Exodus and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah, as the Scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. See, there's an element of, of satisfaction here, right? Of people being satisfied. Humanity has inside a, a deep hunger and a deep thirst for the, the things of God. Sometimes we don't know that that's what that deep hunger and that deep thirst inside of us is, right? Sometimes we try and satiate that hunger and that thirst with all of these other things. 
But we were made, we were created to be in relationship with God, and it's our sin that has broken that and kept that from us. We have this this desire. But have you ever known people who, who couldn't be satisfied? Or maybe... Maybe you've known some folks who didn't even know they were thirsty. There's this really interesting phenomenon that'll happen sometimes where they find people um, in in deserts or in other places where they've died of thirst, and, and so often they have water with them. You get to a certain point, and you're so thirsty, you don't even know that you're thirsty anymore. You ever been there? I know every now and then it'll happen for me, right? Like, I haven't done what I needed to do for the day. I haven't had the water. I have, and I apologize, Kathy. I've been drinking Diet Coke all day. She gets on me. It's bad for my teeth. And then I come home, and I have a glass of water with supper. And all of a sudden, I can't have enough water. My body had just decided that I wasn't going to give it water today. And so it just said, well, that's not something I'm going to get today, so I'm going to stop asking for it. And then I give it to it, and it just wants more and more and more. I'm seeing some nods. You know what I'm talking about. There are people in the world, there are people in our lives who don't even know that they are thirsty. And until God reminds them of their thirst until God tells them that they're thirsty, until God awakens that thirst in them, they don't even know. They'll walk past the stream of living water all day, every day, and not even know that the thing that they need is right there. It won't even register with them. But what we're talking about here, we're talking about this this satisfaction Back in John chapter 6, Jesus has talked about the fact that he's the bread of life. We're going to come later today and we're going to partake in the bread. Here he's saying, I'm the bread of life and I'm also the water of life. You need me to to survive, to be satisfied. We've seen already, right? We've seen already this this aspect of of Scripture. We've seen how through Scripture, God has shown His people over and over again this idea of the living water. And what this satisfaction, when we drink deeply of this living water, what happens and what it looks like. You know, one of the first things that, that happens, one of the things that we should, should experience when we drink of the living water is we should experience some emotion. You know, emotion is not something that a lot of us are comfortable with. We don't, we don't like to express emotion. How many of you, particularly, particularly the men in here, how many of you were told as a child, boys don't cry? All right. Jesus wept. So is Jesus not a man? Jesus expressed emotion, the gamut of human emotion. Jesus, in that story of the the death of his friend Lazarus, Jesus is expressing grief. 
We see Jesus express joy. We see Jesus express righteous anger. We see Jesus express fear. The Son of God, God in the flesh, in the garden, in fear and trembling on his face before his Father. If that's not emotion, I don't know what it is. Emotion is not something that should be scared of. It's not something that we should think is bad. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not saying we should be controlled by our emotions. Not at all. But emotions are healthy. And when we encounter and when we drink of this living water, it should, as the kids might say, it should give us the feels. We should feel something. We should emote. Sometimes, as we stayed here this morning and drank of the living water as we prayed for Dr. Evans and Jeanette, it's, it's sadness. Sometimes, it's excitement. Let me say something that should not be a controversial statement, but it might be. You should be excited about Jesus. I'm going to say that again. You should be excited about Jesus. We get excited about a lot of stuff. As you might have been able to tell, I am excited about ice cream. I was excited last October when the Braves won the World Series. The saints haven't made me very excited for a few years. We should be excited about Jesus. There are things in your life that you get excited about, that you get ready for, that you anticipate. But but too often, what we show to the world isn't excitement about Jesus. What we show to the world is stick in the mud. One of the first stories that I ever heard about y'all was from Alan. And Alan told me about the time that he came here. I guess it was, it was early on when he was interiming after Sean passed away that he came and y'all sang the doxology every week. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise ye, above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Except y'all sang it like a funeral dirge. And so he cut it out. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Can we not get excited about that? But we do it, right? There's a, a comedian, a British comedian, who talks about people singing in church. Oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Why are we not singing from the top of our lungs? We do it in the car, at least some of us, do it in the car. 
You might not. I do. If you can sing your beach music with enthusiasm, you can sing praises to God with excitement. If you can listen to Top 40 radio and sing along to every word, you can sing praises to God like it means something. Living water is going to give us excitement. And what happens when we're excited about something? Y'all got sick last year of me talking about Wake Forest football. Because I was excited about it. And I had to share it. Some of you got sick of me talking about the Braves when we won the World Series. But I was excited about it. I had to share it with you. When you're excited about something, you share it. Are you sharing Jesus? Are you excited enough about Jesus that you're sharing him with others? Living water will make you excited. So it should, it should give us emotion, it should give us excitement, and it should also give us enjoyment. There's a, an older catechism, the Westminster Catechism, the shorter Westminster Catechism. The first question is, what is the chief end of man? It's to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. That's what God made us to do. He made us to enjoy Him. When we, when we come to church and we sit there and we stand up when they sing and we just... That's not enjoyment. I've seen y'all enjoy things. Got to enjoy God. Enjoy our time with God. Be with Him. Do we enjoy our life with Christ or do we act like it's a burden? we watched the video, it reminded us that when you take a, a little pebble and you throw it into a pond, it, it makes these waves and it sort of rolls out, right? That one little thing can disturb this, this huge body of water. Waves are, waves are powerful. Little things can cause little waves in a pond, but big waves, big waves can give us the cliffs of Dover, Big waves can, can change the very earth. The waves of the Colorado River cutting through rock gave us the Grand Canyon. Waves are powerful. And when we drink of the living water, and, when, and when then when we drink of it and it flows out from us, we are making waves in the world. We are changing the world. That's that's what happens here. Look at the very end of 38. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Not to him, but from him. Him. Jesus is the living water. Is He flowing from you into the world around us so that we can make waves, so that we can see change? Are, are you uh, an emotive, excited, joyful, expectant agent of God's love and presence in your life? 
when you walk into your place of work or into the grocery store or into your book club or to your hunting club or wherever it is that you go, when you come in, is there refreshment that flows out from you because the living water flows from you as it will flow from Jerusalem and the new heaven and the new earth? We are called, we are made to thirst and hunger for God. And when that thirst is awakened in us and we we turn to the living water and we drink deeply of it and it satiates us, not only are we satisfied, but then we become God's presence in the world around us and we are vessels that carry Jesus Christ, the living water to the people in our lives. And when we do that, we make waves. Now, sometimes making waves is wonderful. And sometimes we use that, right? I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to make any waves. Jesus stood and he cried out, He made waves. If we're following him, we are going to make waves in the world around us because the world around us is broken and fallen and dark and full of the enemy. Are you going to make waves? Are you going to rock the boat? Are you going to open the can of worms? Are you going to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said so that God's water can wash over his creation and bring life. Jesus talks about himself as living water, and as I mentioned earlier, he talks about himself as the bread of life. That he's living bread. And it was on the night that he was to be betrayed that he gathered his followers together in an upper room. He gathered them together and he shared a meal with them. That's what we're going to do now. If the deacons who are going to help serve this morning will begin to make their way forward. The meal that we are gathering to share, this meal is intended for all of those who are baptized believers. If you are not a member of this church, but you are a baptized believer, you are welcome to partake in this meal with us. The night that he was to be betrayed, like I said, Christ gathered. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 11, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This 